Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Kevin Victor, Vice President of Sales and Partnership for Maco FinTech. Maco FinTech is a company that has created a platform for onboarding clients to investment accounts. Sounds simple, but we're going to find out about just how complex this is. With that, here's my interview with Kevin. Kevin, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, pleasure to be here, Jason. Thanks so much. And I know as well, our, our CEO and founder, Raphael Buscla, would have wanted to be here himself as well. So happy to be here. Happy to do the podcast. I will be happy to connect with them another time. So Kevin Victor of Maco Fintech, tell us about Maco. Yeah. So Maco Fintech is uh, essentially SaaS for wealth workflow automation. You know, primarily we deal with digital onboarding, KYC, KYC refresh, basically any type of workflow activity that a wealth advisor would want to accomplish with their investor and on the back end as well, how they complete, you know, administrative activities, compliance and whatnot. How do we give them their own unique experience? How do we give them a consistent experience? How do we let them play, you know, within their ecosystem and accomplish their variety of activities and interact with the right systems that, you know, allow them to accomplish these different tasks. So, I mean, I did you a bit of an injustice by developing, by stating that you were an onboarding system. I mean, you are, but what you described here, you know, is the bigger picture of it all, right? It's, it's, yeah. the, it's, it's the KYC, it's the document set it's the account administration, and those really are all workflows when it comes down to. So onboarding is, is a primary workflow because that's how you first yes. come in, but then the ongoing maintenance is also something you handle quite well as well. So let's talk about where the company came from. So what was the genesis of the company, where did the idea come from? For sure, for sure. So there's a little bit of a history there with uh, with, with Raphael. So he originally was the uh, former president and co-founder of CoPower. It's uh, an impact investment fund uh, out West. It was ultimately purchased by uh, Van City, uh, I believe in 2018. And, uh, you know, at the time they're providing a bunch of different investment uh, products and uh, he was trying to get his offering, you know, all across Canada into the U.S. and whatnot. And it seemed very difficult to have strong remote operations. And that in itself was a challenge. More importantly, too, it's always been a headache that uh, private equity firms, VC firms, uh, alternative investment firms, uh, anyone who ultimately leverages a subscription agreement to complete investor onboarding is an absolute nightmare. So once he finished up his project and his time at CoPower, he basically set out to uh, mediate and you know address this challenge. So the first, we, we spoke before about what type of workflows are a part of investor onboarding. The first one that we set out to address at Maco, the first one that RAF set out to address was the subscription agreement workflow, which is that long, daunting legal document. Uh, sometimes takes a lot of time. Maybe you're going to waste a lot of legal hours to trying to go through the document. Uh, can you quickly automate all the generic tax forms and regulatory compliance that goes along with it? So that really is, in a nutshell, kind of the, the genesis of where, um, where it came from. It really started off with living through the challenges in his previous business, he himself. Yeah, so- yeah. So, and then specifically in those with subscription agreements, you know, at the end of the day, you're crossing the threshold on account onboarding for the most dimensional of investment uh, companies. So it's it's not surprising that that's really become more kind of the bigger, that's the bigger opportunity in the long run. So, I mean, here's the thing to the, to the lay person from the outside in, this sounds like an easy problem. I just need to open an account. Right. Like, hey, I open up, you know, I subscribe to any number of online softwares within a couple of minutes with 12 questions or like five or whatever it is, or maybe just even my email address, my name. Why is this so such a problem in the world of finance? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a good point. And, and, you know, the really the 
only really large financial institutions and, 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 uh, and big dealers have the ability to invest significant dollars and dedicate years in project management to build out solutions that they think are going to you know, support their advisors. And we could even go into, are those solutions even flexible enough to give you know, smaller firms, PM firms and whatnot, the ability to execute the operations the way that they want? So you know, as simple as opening up an account, we've experienced it. We've all, you know, maybe you have your own discount brokerage account, you have your own advisors, you probably sign documents from your own advisor or financial planner. Can we give that firm, can we give that small PM firm, medium-sized PM firm, or even the large firm, the flexibility to build out their advisor's unique needs and be able to control the investor experience? So how do you give that enterprise level onboarding experience to that small PM firm, you know, being able to give them white labeling? Is your compliance process exactly the same as your custodian or back office provider? Do you have different steps or different ways you'd want to interact with your investor that would give you a unique type of workflow arrangement? How do you go from your firm's internal documents to the wide variety of account opening forms, you know, going between a household to just let alone individual investor documents, non-reg, TFSA, RSP, you know, the standards, going into more difficult account openings, spousal, RESP accounts, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. But just we're just talking about the Canadian space, what type of accounts you could actually open up. How do you make it very seamless and easy to build out those packages, not have to retranscribe them to avoid the standard amount of human errors and NIGOs that go into the process? And even make it easy for the client to accomplish and review these documents. Are they reading through it? Is there a way to automate it? Can we ensure the client is meeting all of their compliance requirements and reviewing the documents and signing off in it in a seamless fashion? Why are we why are we making this exercise three hours long when it should really be five minutes and allow the focus to go back to the quality of the investor conversation? Let the advisors spend more time nurturing their client and listening to their concerns and their investment plan instead of digging through the weeds of um, finicky documentation. I kind of rambled and went in a yeah, path. Fair there. enough. No, it's, I mean, you hit it though, because I mean, <laughs> and you hit a couple of points we're going to expand upon. The reality is yes, no one, no one wants their value proposition to be, I handle all this paperwork, but it's true. And that's, for all this paperwork, I think just, you know, my current existence, shall tell a backstory. I remember the first time I downloaded a robo-advisor and I, you know, went to set up an account just to test it out. And I went through the entire process in less than five minutes, including funding the account. And I, at first I was amazed and impressed. And then I got immediately angry and I got angry because I thought about what the existence, what would it look like in my side of it? And on my side of it, it's okay. Client wants to move forward. We collect a bunch of information, you know, digitally already, but most people don't. And then basically my staff has to populate all these forms, which used to be in paper before and now are, you know, at least in PDF format. And when I say all these forms, it's literally like the reality is, is that, you know, there are some onboarding packages when you start talking about like sending one up for a client, their spouse, their kids, or their joint accounts, the, maybe there's a trust, maybe there's a corp and you get into that entire thing. Like we're talking hundreds and hundreds of pages, even if it's that that's digital, you know, none of this stuff is almost none of it, depending on what system you're on is populating itself. And then, you know, then you got to drag this all into DocuSign and put all the side, the sign here, uh, stickies on. And, you know, before the nightmare was always, you'd send this stuff off and, oh, you missed signature, the signature on this page uh, on page 175. Now it's one of, one of 75 signatures they have to make. And it's, you know, everybody would just be overwhelmed by how ridiculous the experience was. Now, part of that is just because, I mean, so digitizing that, like the robos did, is one thing. But with the robos, it was easier because they were a homogenous uniform group, right? Like when you're dealing with the investment accounts, whatever, they have a certain number of portfolios. Everybody there uses those. End of story. You can do something very, very slick for something that's very got very few variables. Yeah. 
The issue is what I refer to as the logo myth is that, oh, I'm the only advisor from this company. Well, most advisors have discretion over how they manage money, right? So, you know, if you're dealing with a major bank, I can pretty much guarantee you that if I go to 12 different advisors at random, they all have different portfolios and how they manage. So how do you create something that adapts to that level of variability within a firm and accounts for the, let's call it 10, over 10,000 fund codes that exist in this country, never mind all the ETF codes, never mind all the ticker symbols. Like, how do you basically deal with this large degree of complexity? So talk to me about that challenge and how, what little what steps you've taken to address it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, and I mean, just to double back on one of your points, you experienced it yourself, right? You know, that you know that maybe the tools that you have internally for, for your firm, there is probably a process and a way that you go about it uh, that's obviously different than uh, you know some of your competitors or even some of your colleagues within the same uh, within the same space. But in terms of how we address it, you know, it's this is where we get into the custom configuration. Obviously, there's significant overlap between uh, these custodian forms, the the workflows, the mappings. There very likely is some best practice or suggestions about you know this is likely the right way to go about it. But ultimately, we allow our our client to own the process, to own their workflow. It's uniquely theirs for them to develop and execute because it's supposed to capture their internal end users and how they want to interact with their uh, with their investors and manage their relationships. So that configuration process, we always start off with a very extensive business process review. Let everyone be on the same page and aligned on what type of offering can give you, what you're trying to validate, what you're trying to execute. What do we want to bake in in terms of your compliance aspect that we want to automate from the get-go? How do we meet your FinTrack requirements? You know, we we want to hear your compliance concerns and then manage it up front. We want to hear your classic errors and manage it up front and see what we identify. You spoke about fund codes, a ton of different ETFs. Same thing, different firms have different offerings or more focused offerings, and we're simply going to configure and supply that for you. So we're going to digitize it. We're going to build it out. We're going to capture all the requirements you need to execute from that net new client relationship, capturing all of that KYC, meeting all of your regulatory requirements, executing all the different documents and proceeding to, you know, how do you capture the transfer ends? How do you capture all the different uh, purchase codes? How do you capture... How do you go from A to Z and how exhausted do you want your workflow to look like? You know, we have some clients that also come in and say, hey, you know, my big pain point, onboarding isn't a headache for me. I have a, I have a high value client business. I don't do a ton of these transactions. It's very passive. I actually have a huge issue with KYC refresh. And, you know, maybe we're executing a much smaller level of complexity, but ultimately that's their need. So we could go with very simple one, two step workflows to some that are a lot more elaborate. We bake in everything. We bake in multi-custodial documents. We bake in transfer in requirements. We bake in a, a huge number of, uh, you know, all the different fund codes. It should be static and easy to, you know, make an advisor's life easy to execute. Maybe you want it to be more self-serve and we build that automation so that when the advisor puts it in front of their investor, they have the opportunity to interact and update the documentation on their own and have the right recordings and regulatory compliance that goes along with it. But the long story short here is that digitizing investment selection, digitizing unique firm documents, digitizing standard custodian forms, or, or you know any other third party you have to rely upon to execute your operations, we have the capacity to do so. Let's analyze it for you and give you the solution that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain variables that are unique to everybody, like their personal information mm-hmm. or maybe the portfolios or accounts we're doing. But frankly, this should be paint by numbers. Um, yeah. And it's uh, frankly, the utopia of this is just a button push, right? Like I have already, whatever data I've got on the client is already in the system. I yeah. hit a button, you know, I've selected what portfolios and accounts we're opening. I hit a button and, you know, they fill in the blanks, right? And as long as nothing deviates too much, I don't get notified and it just goes straight through. Like no one, you know, even if, even for those who don't do a lot of onboarding because they have a very, you know, they maybe take on three to four households per year. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. Like no one wants to employ someone to spend a couple of days of their year on this sort of thing. You know, no yeah. one's ever going to scoff at, well, I just, I don't need you to solve that problem. I need you to solve this. Like, give me a break. So great. So that is the kind of advisor and firm complexity issue. Talk to me about the um, the complexity in dealing with different custodians. Yeah. So yeah, good question. So um, we do have one formalized partnership is with Avisa Wealth. Their uh, correspondent services are credential securities. And we have a wonderful relationship with them because we are now ultimately, the, we are their primary digital onboarding solution. And they're receiving great efficiencies or back office efficiencies by having everything digitized, whether it's you know remote or wet signature, having everything come in localized and us being able to have direct integration with their back office is going to give them a lot of efficiencies and scale as they execute you know, all of their PM and IB operations. For relationships where we don't have full integration, we also have other options, you know, because a lot of these, unfortunately, uh, you know, custodian, custodian back office, and you'll probably know this uh, better than me, Jason, they still do a lot of manual input. There's actually a, a group of people in a back office and an operations team that are, you know, manually typing away. And yeah. our, we want to give all of our custodians that we work with or any, right now, ultimately we do, we do digitize custodian forms outside of partnership, you know, where we execute that for the, the PM firm, but they have to the way they would download from an Adobe DocuSign or HelloSign, they have to download the documents and upload it to their, they'd uploaded themselves to their custodian for them to manually type in and key it in. We're happy to give them the data extract. They could leverage that data. We're happy to build in, you know, the JSON, the API, or we're happy to establish a partnership. So it's very easy for us to unblock that. Just making sure that, you know, we have a lot more users that are executing multi-custodian operations. We want to get everyone to that level that we basically have at Avisa, which is we gave the PM their efficiency. We gave them their unique solution. We're giving you the back office efficiency. Just tell us how you want the data and how you can execute it. Allow us the opportunity to make your back office operations team more efficient. <laughs> we, we touched upon, I, I don't want to. No, no, <laughs> I, don't want to I, always, I always love the digital front end and a bunch of hamsters in the background spinning on wheels. Like it's, yeah. it's, I totally get it. I mean, like from yeah. you're saying, it's easy for you guys to do that. Absolutely. You collected all information, you have mm-hmm. it in format, you can spit it out whatever format they want. But, you know, unfortunately we're all sitting on 1960s, 1970s architecture. So <laughs> there's only so far you can go with that before a human being has to type something into a monochromatic screen, which is brutal. But that said, that said, nevertheless. So bottom line is you have the ability. I mean, at the end of the day, you, really, when you think about it, you're just, you're doing three things. You're collecting data and the data is up to grabs as to whose data it is. You're populating the forms that what everybody wants to populate. And you're creating the workflows that both actually, that just know what forms need to be populated based on conditions, right? And what information needs to be updated based on conditions. So really, you really, yeah, you're more of a data acquisition and uh, as you said, process management company than you are onboarding. Just onboarding is the, the, the venue you've yeah. taken. So. It's the low-hanging fruit, definitely. It's just the most common case. So, which, I mean, given the increased increasing level of compliance, uh, requirements where oh, you were supposed to best practice try to get everybody updated once a year. And yeah. now it's like that gun keeps getting pushed deeper and deeper into your temples like get it done every year. As I said, I remember when I was when I read this uh, the client focus reforms in Canada, I messaged my my dealer and said, this is either going to be a push button or the biggest pain in my butt. I sincerely hope by the time this launches it's a push button. But so and you you guys have built that push button, thankfully. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you already have all the data, if we've already gathered it for you, if everything is live and up to date, send it out in bulk, you know, put put it in the investor's hand and have it tracked. Send your KYC refresh in bulk, send 30 at a time, send 50 at a time. It shouldn't have to be on this one-to-one basis that you can, you know, check it off. And it's easy for you to go back and verify to your regulator, to the OSC or the AMF, whomever, and uh, let them know that you have good process, good controls, good infrastructure to 
manage both your, you know, regulatory requirements and doing right by your investors. Rules are there, you know, they're in place for good reason. Can you make it more efficient? And the answer 1000% is, is yes. Absolutely. It's, uh, and you've done a number of integrations with third parties. So things like CRMs and, and portfolio yep. management softwares, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you're definitely building yourself into the ecosystem nicely. So the onboarding and kind of regular c- compliance update, like that's, that's the stuff you're targeting. You know, where do you see this going? Like where, what have you guys talked about kind of blue sky as to what you'd like to see the Mako platform, the, the Mako platform become? Yeah. So thinking about the future and thinking about the strategy we're actually applying right now is uh, is exactly right. We we're, we're playing very friendly within the ecosystem. We want to work with everyone because at the end of the day, we want our end user, that client, that wealth manager, that PM firm, IB, MFDA, whoever they are, we want them to be comfortable to integrate with whoever they use to execute their operations. And that mix of products and partners obviously vary between preferences. And we want them to say, okay, Maco is my preferred workflow or digital onboarding solution. X company is my custodian. X company is my portfolio management system. And we want to give them everything they want. The beauty of it is that we're at the front of the experience. We're gathering the data. Let us help you map it out to the to the respective sources. From the compliance side of it, our clients ultimately own the compliance, right? We're understanding your compliance process. We're understanding if you have to adhere to IROC, OSC, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of picking some, some easy options here and we're automating it for you. So they still own their compliance process. We're giving them the workflow. We're giving them the automation and the, you know, the best practice and suggestion on how to execute it. One thing that's come up uh, recently is that we're actually part of a, um, a project with OSC. The OSC has a, a test lab and they've selected us to, they're basically identifying different technologies to help automate and execute uh, the headaches and the burden related to regulatory compliance. So one of our our partners and clients uh, is a case study that we did with uh, Design Securities. They're a new IB with with a visa well. So we're all playing around with some, some friendly partners here. And we're working with them on their KYC refresh project is ultimately a project driven by their own compliance requirements and the way they, they want to execute it. And we're going to gather the OSC's feedback to basically identify that there are great technologies out there to uh, perform these exercises. There, there are better ways of doing this. The next time, God forbid, we're locked down, you know, related to things like COVID, do you have strong remote operations to maintain and execute these activities that the regulators are going to hold you accountable for. And when you think about how this should work, I mean, in theory, you get to, you know, something like your solution, other solutions become, you know, standard. Compliance stops being about like, oh, let me pull five files and make sure they're complete. At the end of the day, it becomes about auditing the workflow itself, right? It's what data are you collecting? How are you collecting it? How is it being actioned? And then the system itself shows that you're compliant with that entire workflow. So it really, I think for for regulators around the world, this sort of thinking is is exactly what they they need because the scalability of it is infinitely better, right? It's, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, I've audited this workflow. The system has confirmed that 99% of, of clients are in compliance with this workflow. Where are the exceptions? That's where I spend my time. And again, I've, I've, I've ran this about before, the current regime, which is like ex post, like we'll set everything up and then we'll monitor for when something goes wrong. It's like, no, like just don't let the thing that can go wrong, go wrong in the first place, right? Like yeah. it's it's so much more effective that way. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And frankly, I mean, I cannot even begin like <laughs> talk about the number one pain in the butt for everybody, everybody from admin staff to advisors to, I mean, the number of firms in the US I've talked to that basically they outsource this stuff and just the number of bodies they need to fill these seats. It's nuts. And, and there are better ways. So I'm thankful companies like you are pushing the level on that. So that's that's where you've been. That's where you're going. Uh, that's the challenges. I mean, I hope we've gotten across to everybody just how difficult this problem is. I want to talk about it from the cons- 
consumer perspective, right? So we talked about it from solving this problem. Talk to me about what it's like to be a client who is on one of these platforms. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So being the consumer, so the fact that we're interacting, you know, with the wealth manager and we're allowing them to execute their custom operation, they're also giving the opportunity to be mindful of how they want to interact with the client. I've mentioned it a few times already throughout this chat that, you know, it's not just creating great efficiencies for both the, you know, advisor, uh, administrator, compliance, you know, whoever it may be. How is the investor actually interacting with this firm now? And are they receiving a better experience? So one is data security, having an encrypted link, having data rooms, having a secure way to interact with the documents and, you know, upload very sensitive details from first name, last name to SIN number, anything in between. There's a lot of sensitive information that you wouldn't want to just upload in in an unsecure uh, system. Two is Am I grabbing some freemium software as a PM firm or am I leveraging some, am I sending multiple DocuSigns or, or multiple hello signs to accomplish different ad hoc documents to build out that, that workflow and process? Or can I give my investor the experience that, you know, here's my firm, it's white labeled, they're going to a link that has, that's associated to, to my firm, I'm controlling the entire experience and showing them, you know, this is X firm's platform, you have a, a pin that you could log into to be able to input your details. And very easily and seamlessly, if you have to make any corrections, you're able to do that within the platform. God forbid you're at the ninth inning as an advisor and you identified a mistake by the custodian. You just have to simply resend the fix or all interact within the platform. And the client is still going to receive that same white label experience, make the update and the full package to be able to send back. You don't have to start from, you don't have to start from the beginning. So the burden and efficiencies, the burden that's being resolved and the efficiencies that are being gained by the advisor, same experience for the investor. The turnaround time uh, is important as well, because, you know, if we're reducing the burden of, you know, operational deficiencies, human errors, NIGOs, things that are now being corrected on the advisor's behalf, they're going to be able to execute and open up the client's account much faster. They're going to be able to complete that transfer in much faster. And if, say, they did have to make corrections after the fact, interacting within the system, allowing them not to restate or go through the documentation or re-sign all over again, these are, these are all great efficiency gains, not just for the advisor, but for the investor as well. The so hope and the intent is that every single stakeholder that lives within this workflow and experience is receiving significant enhancement in both experience, security, execution, turnaround time. These are all valuable components that everybody is supposed to gain from. And leveraging technology is the easy way to get out of this extremely manual headache. And you know, if I'm an investor and I'm paying management fees and I'm looking for that advice from the advisor, I would want 90% or 99% of my time to be dedicated to learning about my realities, my family concerns, my investment strategy or time horizon, what's unique to me. If you're focusing on the documentation and headaches and problems, uh, fixing up a document in, in the ninth inning and trying to correct it afterwards, you're, you're wasting a lot of time and you're wasting a lot of that management fee you're paying to get good advice from your wealth manager. This is allowing more time in that relationship to be dedicated to conversation. And that should be the true value that comes from any of these experiences. Yeah. And I would say also the, um, you think about the amount of cost that's wrapped up in the industry, just based on this administration alone. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've, again, I wish I had the full day on this, but I remember once hearing that one third of a uh, bank's cost structure typically has to do with back office processing, you know, like, that's don't get me wrong. Yeah. We like to employ people, but at the same time, it's, (laughs) that's not a high value proposition to client intimacy and to better servicing them. Those, those Mm -hmm. people's hours are better spent elsewhere, quite honestly. So, uh, and frankly, no one wants to deal with like hundreds page stack of documents, like no one. Right. So the fact that you've eased this and, and made it a lot simpler to deal with and made it, you know, a couple minute exercise, that's just a better, an experience for 
everybody. So yeah, good work. One thing I just wanted to add to it as it came to me, you know, all of these, again, custodians or, or some of the larger partners that, that we're interacting and working with, what's nice about having a relationship with them is that they're acknowledging that, you know what, they could achieve back office efficiencies by pigeonholing or, or forcing their, their clients and firms into one way of doing things. By working with us, they're actually acknowledging their wealth manager concerns. You know, let's give them flexibility. Let's let them run their own practice the way they want without compromising the efficiencies we would like to gain. And that's really, really nice in the industry. Having that acknowledgement means you're actually putting the client first and you're putting their investors, their end users first. So right. it's nice acknowledgement and good conversation. And we feel very happy with the path we're on with, with, the, with the partners we're dealing with. It's more forward thinking. Well, you're definitely on the right path. The question is, how long does it take for everybody else to see it? Which is the problem in most cases. Yeah. So we're, um, we're, we're in it for the fight. So, and, and you get it too, you know, speaking with people like you in, in the space, it's always enlightening. I understand why I don't want things, my life to suck. I mean, I don't understand why <laughs> people seem to want, want it to suck. So, all right, before we wrap up, well, I got three questions that I ask everybody to end on a positive note. The first one is, is if you had one wish for something you can change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? Hmm, good question. I would say it would be more openness to changing to changing process. And it seems like a simplified answer, but I find a lot of the personas in the industry, we're scared to take that first step. We're scared to actually go down the path of leveraging technology to make your life easier. And the firms that we're speaking with, a lot of our clients are, are actually going down that path. People should start becoming more comfortable with that concept. It's happening slowly. It's starting to pick up. COVID did accelerate that type of talk track and communication in the industry. But everyone should be, you know, not, not just with Mac, everyone should be looking out for different ways to enhance their operations and make themselves 10x more efficient. There are we are a little bit still stuck with our, our, our feet in the sand here, trying to still hack it and make it work with the old ways and processes. So I think there's a ways to go in the industry. There's a lot of different players, a lot of great opportunities. I, I include Maco in that and obviously trying to change the way we execute these operations. And yeah, at a high level, I would say just having more and more of that openness. You know, I, I deal with a lot of different stakeholders when we have these conversations and how we execute these operations. Some people like like it the way it was. And, and some people are ready and ambitious and inspired to make the change. And I hope more people start adopting the tone of the latter. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully we'll see. <laughs> uh, I was at a conference last week in, in Miami and the best line of it was, oh, actually it was a couple of really priceless lines, but one of them was, of course, everybody wants change, but no one seems to want to change. It's like, this is great. You're all doing that, but I don't have to do anything different. Right. And and that's too often what you find is these organizations, there's only so much change that, will, that people are willing to swallow and only so much they're willing to force. Second question for you is what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? Yeah. So one of the big challenges, and I think we're, we're largely over the hill on it was implementation. We had a lot of exciting opportunities and we want to give custom solutions and we, we've established a very strong process. So between last year to now, uh, I would say the company at this time last year was around 10, 15 employees and now we're around 35, 40. And that scale and that growth and what we're able to execute today is to basically execute numerous custom projects uh, on, on the fly. So a lot of it was related to scaling growth. A lot of focus was on that strategically over the last year. And like I said, I think we're over the hump there and we're very happy with you know the processes we're offering, the alignment between the different stakeholders, you know, from a small firm to a large IB to FIs operationally giving custom solutions 10 out of 10 times or best practice solutions 10 out of 10 times. 
we're feel we feel like we're in a we're in a, a really really great place right now to continue executing and scale that operation even further and being super agile. Excellent. Yeah. I'll keep it up. And then the last question is, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting out of bed every morning to keep on fighting the good fight that it's early stage yeah. fintech company. <laughs> So the, like again, like I, I think within our uh, within Maco and uh, like between uh, yeah, I mentioned Raf earlier and a couple of other execs, I think we may all have different reasons, but I know the one that you know gets me going every day is exactly what what we said earlier. You know about that openness to change the financial industry, to change the that wealth advisor experience, to leverage technology. I do from my experiences. I, I used to work at a large bank. I've dealt with a few other financial institutions. Canadian wealth is quite quite archaic and slow. And like I said, mm-hmm. COVID did push everyone. It did kind of give ourselves a little bit of a kick in the butt to all kind of move in the right direction together. And I, I really do believe there's a ton of opportunity that's still there. It, it's untapped. We're starting to shift our mentality. It's slow, but it's coming. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to be a part of that conversation. I'm excited to take a lot of the things that Macro tries to automate are the boring nitty gritty stuff that we don't actually want to deal with. So let me take the boring automation away from, but let me take the, the boring task and admin away from you and, and allow you to focus on the things you care about. There's a smarter way to do things. There's a more convenient way to do things. And I'm happy to have that conversation every single day until I'm blue in my face. And that kind of keeps me going every single yeah. day and having these, these conversations and having these conversations with you, like Jason, you're, you're, you're living it every day and you probably hear it from a lot of different, different characters as well. Yeah, I would say that absolutely. But I would say the industry needs to stop patting itself on the back for adopting 15, 20-year-old technology. Um, <laughs> congratulations, you moved faster than you ever have in the last 24 months. Problem is, you're still not even where you should be. And there seems to be a lot of like, oh, look, we can support remote work. It's like, I was doing remote work from the Middle East in 2007. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Like, give yeah. me a break. It's, um, I don't, yeah. So I, I just, I shake my head and say, you know, Congratulations, Doc. You have DocuSign. It's been around for almost 20 years. So yeah, I think hopefully people think beyond it. And I, you know, I wish you guys nothing but the best because quite frankly, the status quo shouldn't exist because yeah. there are better ways. You're one of them. And mm-hmm. frankly, it no one benefits from the status quo at this point. I, I really it, it's one of those ones where I bang my head against the wall as to how people aren't being down the doors of companies like yours, or at least even cracking at themselves, as opposed to just throwing their hands up in the air and saying, well. It's hard when you think about the the cost savings, the accuracy, the time savings, the experience, all of it, all of it just lines up to this needs to be solved. So yeah. thank you very much for what you're doing and and, uh, and pushing the line on this. Hey, my pleasure. You're doing the same. So thank you to you too. <laughs> I'm just relatively old guy. I'm relatively. I'm the old man yells at cloud. I'm like younger man yells at cloud uh, constantly. I like to say So yeah. So thanks. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Jason. So that was my interview with Kevin Victor of Maco Fintech. Hope you enjoyed that. And if you are in the industry looking for an onboarding platform, please, to God, just pick up a phone and call these people. Like there is no excuse for this anymore. I cannot even begin to explain how there's no excuse for this anymore. And I pull my hair out every day dealing with the alternative. And hopefully you are too. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever's in your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.